This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have the latest Water Security Agency runoff outlook. No expectation of any flooding at this date and runoff in the south will be below normal to about normal. An MP reintroduces a bill to exempt farmers from paying the carbon tax on propane and natural gas. The Soil Conservation Association is looking at ways for Saskatchewan farmers to be paid for carbon sequestration. Protein Industries Canada sets up a pool of money to expand food processing on the prairies. And B.C. farmers receive a $228 million government helping hand following severe flooding last November. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. The latest Water Security Agency runoff forecast shows varying conditions across Saskatchewan this spring. The preliminary outlook shows most of southern Saskatchewan with below normal snowmelt runoff potential. The central areas with above normal snowpack can expect an above normal snowmelt response. However, flooding is not expected. For the south, one exception to the below normal runoff is projected for an area just east of Moose Jaw through Weyburn, Indian Head and Regina. The Regina area is expected to see near normal snowmelt and runoff. The melt rate will have a significant impact on runoff and a rapid melt is needed to improve surface water supplies. Without additional snowfall, surface water supplies are likely to occur shortages in parts of southwestern Saskatchewan in 2022. The outlook could change because there is another 8 to 10 weeks of winter remaining. The next spring runoff forecast will be issued in early March. A southern Ontario Conservative MP has reintroduced a bill to exempt farmers from paying the carbon tax on fuel used in farm equipment, including grain dryers. The bill was introduced in the Commons yesterday by Ontario MP Ben Lobb. A similar bill last year had the overwhelming support of all of the federal opposition parties, including the Greens. It sailed through the Senate and was close to royal assent when the federal election was called last fall, and that's as far as it got. Lobb spoke in the Commons yesterday following the introduction of his bill. I call this bill the Fairness for Farmers Act. It's going to cut the carbon tax. It's going to cut the carbon tax on natural gas and propane used to dry your grain, condition your grain, and heat your livestock barns. Now, for far too long, farmers have paid tens of thousands of dollars of carbon tax to provide food for Canadian families, and it's time to right that wrong. We all know farmers are price takers. They are not price makers. They cannot pass these charges along to the consumer. They only take it out of their profit margin at the end of the year. It's time to change this. I'd also like to say the Liberals' plan is going to be a failure. It's not fair. It's not equitable. And the other thing I would say, Mr. Speaker, and to all Canadians out there, farmers are always asked to be the line of credit, whether it's on your HST, GST, whether it's on your agri-stability or any other farm program. 
they're going to be asked to be the line of credit on this as well, and it's not right. Let's just do the right thing. Let's recognize the tremendous environmental uh, actions and the prevent tremendous environmental benefits farmers provide to Canadians. Hey, hey, hey. Let's support them. Let's do the right thing and get this passed through the Senate. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, hey. Awesome. Mr. Lobb, seconded by Mr. Barlow, moves that the bill be now read a first time and be printed. This motion is deemed adopted. A recent report from the Parliamentary Budget Officer showed that Canadian farmers could pay $184 million a year in carbon tax by the turn of the decade. Ontario farmers would be hardest hit with a total of $25 million this year, rising to $108 million by 2030. Just over a year ago, the federal and provincial governments appeared to close the door on any farmer hopes of being paid for carbon sequestered on their minimum and zero-till farmlands. But the Saskatchewan Soil Conservation Association thinks there's a lot more to be said about carbon. Soil Conservation President Mark Hamier has announced a two-day conference with the theme, Why Carbon Matters. Several different entities have been offering a version of carbon offset credits, but there are large gaps and lack of detail. If I'm not mistaken, there's already organizations out with the intent of signing people up for locking in their, their carbon credits for carbon sequestration. So we wanted to get some information out there and, and just help producers make a, a little more informed decisions so that when things do start to move, they've got a little bit more in their toolbox as far as understanding and, and can ask some better questions to the people that are, that are coming around. And Hamir says it's clear neither the federal government nor the provinces have a clear picture yet of how carbon markets will operate complicated and uh, and complex relationship and uh, I, I do believe that it also relates back to what's happening in the US the whole system is structured around finding a an emitter to pay you for for sequestering carbon and uh, the lion's share of our of our pool for emitters is, is likely going to come from the US and there's there's some big changes coming down there as as far as uh, as how their system works since the Why Carbon Matters conference will be offered both in person and online from the Saskatoon Inn February 16th and 17th. Hey, Mears says a farmer panel will back up an array of carbon-qualified speakers. More at the Saskatchewan Soil Conservation website, including a link to the event app. Mark Hamier farms at Gladmer, about 160 kilometers south of Regina. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca The United States Department of Agriculture will invest $1 billion in pilot projects that cut greenhouse gas emissions or capture and store carbon. The investment is the latest Biden administration initiative aimed at combating climate change. This is USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. We need to get there first. We need to be able to say to the world, we have led in this effort. Vilsack says the goal is to cut the farm sector's greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 and put the United States on a path to net zero emissions by the year 2050. The projects have to incentivize producers to adopt production and marketing practices that will ensure that the agricultural commodity has climate smart properties. They must also have a plan to measure, monitor, and verify the carbon and greenhouse gas benefits associated with those practices. Funding will be awarded to qualified public and private entities, including state and local governments, nonprofits, small businesses, 
tribal governments and organizations and colleges and universities. The Canadian Grain Commission says eligible producers not paid for grain delivered to Pipeline Foods, ULC, will receive full compensation. The U.S.-based parent company filed for bankruptcy protection in July 2021 and subsequently stopped doing business. Pipeline Foods had one grain dealer license and two primary elevator licenses located at Gull Lake in southwest Saskatchewan and Wapella in the southeast. The Grain Commission determined there were 49 eligible claims for unpaid deliveries. $2.2 million of compensation will be issued from the company's security to these producers. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Hey, Kara Ustraros here with realagriculture.com. I am back here today with another Canola School episode, and I have here with me Megan Van Kosky, who is a field crop entomologist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. How's it going today? Really good. You recently spoke at Agronomy Update in regards to the impact of heat and drought on insect pests of prairie crops. Do you want to touch a bit on uh, what some of your main points were? Absolutely. Um, we've had a lot of questions since last summer just about how the period of rather intense heat and the prolonged drought that we had last summer could affect insect populations. And so in my agronomy update presentation, I kind of walked through some different predictive models and talked about the biology of the different major crop pests just to give an idea of how heat and drought could have an impact on those populations. And some insects do quite well in hot, dry conditions and others don't. And so it's kind of a, a mixed bag of good news and bad news for crop production, depending on what you're growing and what insect pests you're dealing with. Now, when we're, like you said, it really depends when we're looking at different crops. For this uh, specific episode, we are focusing on canola. Canola, I mean, really struggled last year if, if it was if it was any in these dry areas. So some of, the, uh, some of the insects you talked about were flea beetles. Do you want to elaborate a bit on what you found? Yeah, absolutely. So based on a lot of the biology and uh, other research that we've done on flea beetles, we know that the, the two major species that we deal with on the prairies, the striped flea beetle and the crucifer flea beetle, respond differently to hot and dry conditions. So crucifer flea beetles do quite well when it's hotter and drier, and striped flea beetles actually prefer it to be cooler and wetter. So in, in prolonged drought, and, and hot conditions, we might actually see a decline in that striped flea beetle population, at least in the, and in their pest status as a result of that. Um, whereas crucifer flea beetles are likely to respond in the opposite way and maybe become more of a problem in drought and hot conditions. So to, just to take a step back, you are looking at some of these forecasting maps and based on the models you're predicting, are you looking at any specific temperatures or like, you know, if you say these conditions prolong, what, what's your base there? Really great question. So the, the models that I presented at Agronomy Update, and we'll have some of the maps to, to show your audience here, um, those are based on the average current climate, which... Um, 
So over the last 30 years, the average conditions. And then the hotter and drier conditions that I'm talking about are two degrees hotter and 40% drier than that 30-year average. And, and of course, these are predictive models. Um, so what we're seeing or what we're predicting from those is really what we would see over a period of a few hot and dry years. So insects take time to respond. Um, some might respond very quickly in one growing season, but others take a few growing seasons to respond. And so it's really just looking at those trends and what could be happening. The overall point of looking at those maps is to really see just like do they respond in, in a positive or a negative way to those changes in climate? So when we're looking at flea beetles, for example, what sort of, um, how do they react to the long term? Are they very season to season or how do they work that way? So flea beetles only have one generation per year. So we would expect that um, last year, for example, if we had um, quite active populations of striped striped flea beetles in the spring, then over the course of the growing season, being that it was hotter and drier, they could have had a negative response to that, had uh, less reproduction, um, less emergence to the new generation adults later in the summer, and so then there could be fewer striped flea beetles next season as a result of that. Um, so that's kind of the, the predictive process, is just over that period of a year or two, based on the length of their developmental period and number of generations per year, what are the, the possible trends in those populations and their impacts. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Increasing cloudiness today, 30% chance of flurries. Wind northwest, 50, gusting to 70, diminishing to 30, gusting to 50 near noon. The high, zero. The low, minus four. Tomorrow, partly cloudy. Wind southwest, 20. Temperature steady near minus three Wednesday. Wind chill near minus nine. 40% chance of evening flurries. The low, minus four. Thursday, partly cloudy. Windy, the high plus 3. 60% chance of evening flurries and windy, the low minus 14. Friday, cloudy, the high minus 13, the low minus 15. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high minus 4, the low minus 13. Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud, the high minus 4, the low minus 12. Monday, partly cloudy, the high minus 6. The normal high is minus 8, the normal low minus 20. The sun rose at 8.23 this morning. It sets at 6.03 p.m. tonight. And around the province, the hot spot up north in the northern grain belt at Spiritwood at plus 2. The cold spot way north, Uranium City at minus 20. In the roundup, Saskatoon is plus 2. Estevan, Swift Current, Weyburn, and Yorkton all plus 1. Regina, scattered clouds... More clouds are rolling in as we speak. It's plus one. That's 35 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-northwest, 45, gusting to 59. Humidity is 75%. The barometric pressure rising, 101.4. Partly cloudy in Moose Jaw, 
plus 2. Winds are from the west-northwest, 41 gusting to 54. Once again, Regina, a few clouds, plus 1. That's 35 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Regina-based Protein Industries Canada is setting up a pool of money to help develop plant-based food production and processing in this country. CEO Bill Gruel says Protein Industries Canada and its partners are starting with $2.4 million and hopes to establish a $200 million equity capital fund. Over the last three years, we've been dealing with our membership at Protein Industries Canada and pretty consistently they've identified access to capital as one of the major barriers to scaling their business. And so we know that it's not enough to just support innovation and come up with new products and services. We have to make sure that companies can grow and scale. Uh, and so this is really about uh, increasing the pool of capital available to companies that are wanting to grow and scale ingredient processing uh, facilities here in Western Canada. How do you set up this pool? Yeah, I, I think first off, let's talk about the need. So, uh, you know, not long ago, an organization called the Global um, uh, Good Food Institute I calculated that the need for capital to satisfy the global demand for plant-based food is measured in the tens of billions. It's probably 27 to $30 billion on a global basis. And so you think about what that means for Canada. We're going to need billions of dollars worth of capital to help companies grow and scale and increase ingredient processing. So this project is really about what we call identifying and breaking down the barriers to accessing uh, capital. So it's really about finding new sources of capital. It is uh, working with the capital community so that they understand the Canadian opportunity and then working with interested parties like institutional investors or the venture capital community to actually build a fund that will help address this. So one of the objectives is the eventual creation of a fund that will be specific for ingredient manufacturers in Western Canada. How big? What size? We're, we're aiming for $200 million uh, initially. And I think, you know, really the, the gap here is that, you know, companies that we've funded and supported through Protein Industries Canada that are looking to scale their business, uh, we've, we've got a proof of concept. They have new and novel technologies around ingredient processing. But in order to be revenue positive, they have to invest you know, anywhere up for $100, $100 million to build a processing facility. These are not cheap facilities. And so the challenge that they have is the venture capital community is looking at it saying, well, the hold is too long. It's a little bit too risky for an investment. So our idea here is to build a fund where we can manage several of these different facilities and try to manage the risk across a number of them. And hopefully that gives companies a better opportunity to access additional either venture, debt, or equity financing. Are you looking at any government guarantees, that kind of thing? No, we, we think it's important that this, uh, that this can stand on their own. Now, 
we we have had conversations with um, Export Development Canada, Farm Credit Canada, but not not as a guaranteed perspective, but um, really just making sure that they understand the the gap and the opportunity. Two hundred million sounds like a lot of money, but you're talking about developing a twenty five billion dollar sector for Canada. That's that's right, and so. You know, this is the start of uh, what we think we need to do to raise the capital for the sector. You know, from an ingredient manufacturing perspective, you've seen the announcements recently from the companies that want to build out canola crush facilities. So this is really just the start. And and you know what? We have to start somewhere. But you have started with some funds. I see you put some money in. Outline that for me. Yeah, so this is this is originally a $2.5 million investment between Protein Industries Canada and the partners. That's really to do the legwork to help uh, break down these barriers, to increase the awareness, to help our companies get ready to access capital. So there's a lot of work in the background that has to go into uh, building a fund and creating the partnerships and the structure. And where are you hoping to raise this funds? So we'll we'll be talking to institutional investors, to the venture capital communities, to high net worth individuals, anyone that sees this as an opportunity for Canada. And the advantages? I guess the advantages are that we're going to be building out additional ingredient processing capacity here on the prairies. And, you know, as we always talk about, that's important for farmers because it gives them more options for the delivery of their commodities it, uh, it creates jobs here in Western Canada and creates, I think, more opportunity for food manufacturers to access ingredients that we produce here in the prairies. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Regina-based Protein Industries Canada. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on sale service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Farmers, ranchers and horticulture producers in BC will be able to access up to a combined $228 million in federal and provincial funding. The announcement was made yesterday in British Columbia by Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau and BC's Agriculture Minister Lena Popham. The money is earmarked to cover flooding losses from last November, not included under existing government programs and private insurance. Here's BC Agriculture Minister Lena Popham. Returning flood-impacted land and buildings to a safe environment for agricultural production the loss of perennial plants not raised for resale, like blueberry plants. Other categories include expenses relating to the repair of uninsurable farm infrastructure and costs for animal welfare, such as replacement feed, livestock transportation, and veterinary care. Popham provided a more detailed breakdown on the program's distribution. Every farm is going to be treated differently because every farm has its own circumstances. And so to be able to give a number on averages per farm, we don't have that information yet. But we also know that there are some very desperate situations right now and farmers need cash now. And so we're going to be able to give interim payments quickly and um, get that cash into their pockets so that they can start buying things like electrical supplies, etc. cetera. Uh, this has been a very trying time. And so with that in mind, we're looking at the serious cases in front of us and making sure that those checks roll out ASAP. 
That's B.C. Agriculture Minister Lena Popham. An estimated 35,000 acres of farmland from the Fraser Valley to the interior were affected by the November flooding. 65 dairy farms were directly hit by flooding. 25,000 acres of fruit crops were damaged, along with 7,500 tons of unharvested vegetables such as cabbages, carrots, and cauliflower. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola fell $4.50 at $9.57.82. Number one red spring wheat went up $10.75 at $4.33.06. The rest were unchanged. Durham, $5.51.57. Feed barley, $3.77.37. Flax, $11.83.20. Lentils, $8.67.50. Oats, $5.51.53. Yellow peas, $6.35.89. And feed wheat, $261.65 per metric ton. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat rose nine and three quarter cents this morning at $9.31 a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest livestock quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of February 8th. Our last regular sale is on February 2nd. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.63 cents to $0.73. Cents. D3 cows sold from $0.55 cents to $0.62. Cents. Good butcher bulls sold from $0.98 cents to $1.08. We had a catch-up pre-sorted calf sale here on Monday. The sale was not on the schedule. The market on calves has improved this week. 450 to 500-pound steers averaged $2.39. It sold up to $2.58. 500 to 550-pound steers averaged $2.36. It sold up to $2.50. 550 to 600-pound steers averaged $2.29. It sold up to $2.39. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $2.17. It sold up to $2.28. 650 to 700-pound steers averaged $2.10. It sold up to $2.19. 700 to 800-pound steers averaged $2.00 and sold up to $2.14. 800 to 900-pound steers averaged $1.93 and sold it to $1.99. Heifers were 20 to 30 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of 500-pound grasser steers at $2.50 a pound, a group of 550-pound black steers at $2.39 a pound, a load of 600-pound black steers at $2.28 a pound, a load of 650-pound black steers at $2.17 a pound, a load of 700-pound black steers at $2.08 a pound, a load of 780-pound Angus steers at $1.95 a pound, and a group of 880-pound Angus steers at $1.89 a pound. We had reputation Angus steers from the Boris Ranch. They had a load of 690-pound steers at $2.14 a pound, and a load of 780-pound steers at $1.99 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. Now the latest Saskatchewan when pork prices. Ham sold 8,500 hogs Monday, selling a range of 194 to 209 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,600 head, selling a range of 195 to 212 per CKG. 
Ham's number one solves this week are up, selling in the range of 43 to 50 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is up, four contract prices opened higher this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar is up 43 basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.2688. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 78.68 cents U.S. Daily U.S. cash prices are higher, with the Western Cornwall almost completely making up for the previous day's losses at $5.53 higher, National up $0.95, cents, and the cutout adjusted variant $0.70 cents higher relative to the previous day. Lean hog features are pushing to new levels this morning following a rocky trade yesterday that saw new highs earlier in the session. Several factors are behind the strength, and no single variable is responsible for the strength seen over the past four weeks. While live supplies are tight, arguably supplies were priced in in December after failing to take out the previous September hogs and pigs report highs. But supply tightness may be a longer-term feature too. While the market would normally expect U.S. expansion with prices as strong as they are, high input costs for the foreseeable future are making producers think twice, even if they do have the finishing spaces. As well, high construction costs related to supply chain issues means producers think of a longer-term commitment to expansion or at least putting those plans on hold. On the demand side, the value of pork cutout continues to push to new marketing week highs, indicating net demand for export and domestic channels is robust. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. The University of Saskatchewan and City of Saskatoon are looking at ways to divert edible food from the landfill. A new joint study found ways to minimize food being discarded. It's estimated one-third of the food produced worldwide and 30 to 40 percent of all food produced in Canada each year is wasted or lost. Among the suggestions, creation of a food recovery association created in partnership with government as well as a social enterprise established to upcycle or transform surplus food for other uses. One official says it's important to create ways to divert food from landfills because now it's simply easier to throw things away. Other recommendations include a public awareness campaign, the use of phone food diversion apps, and inclusion of food diversion in city planning processes. The City of Saskatoon is looking at the next steps to take to reduce food waste in an effort to save disposal costs and benefiting the community and environment. On the markets, the TSX is up 112 points to 21,347. The Dow has risen 298 points to 35,389. Oil is down 231 to 8901 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 26 hundredths of a cent at 78.68 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive pre-emergent herbicide.